what you're putting out in the world, everybody has their own opinion about it. Some people are going to love what you do and some people just aren't. And there's nothing you can do about that. And so I really don't mind when somebody puts a bad review about one of our products up because they're completely entitled to their opinion. And even on our website, we can, I think we can actually control it. We can like remove a negative review, but we don't because you genuinely want people to see the transparency of the product. Don't you find that too? Like when you see something that's got, you know, 1500 five-star reviews, it's like, come on, really? (laughs) Hey, this is Heath Padgett and welcome to the RV Entrepreneur Podcast, episode 171. On today's episode, I chat with Ginny Reichardt about how instead of just creating another Amazon dropshipping business, she decided to start a brand that can outlast the ebbs and flows of Amazon competition, which apparently is a pretty fierce place. My only experience in selling on Amazon is through Alyssa's book, so very, very limited because it's not even me selling a product, it's my wife. But from my chat today with Ginny, I realized that when you start selling on Amazon, there's two common paths that a lot of people take. One is to basically find a manufacturer who's already creating a product you're interested in, white label it, and then start working to get as many reviews as possible and essentially outmarket people on Amazon by creating a better listing than the competition. The only problem that Ginny saw with this approach was that it doesn't necessarily safeguard you long term. It's incredibly easy for somebody else to replicate your efforts or rip them off. And while it may make money immediately, it's not going to allow you to necessarily build a long term brand. What Jenny decided to do with her brand of Baja Baby was instead of just creating another white label product, focus on building a brand that stands out and has factors that are harder to rip off and copy, like unique certifications for organic products that are expensive and time consuming to achieve and her own ingredient combinations in her baby shampoos. These have cost her more and she could have probably made more money in the shorter time period if she would have just launched a white label product and got it out there on Amazon But her goal was to build something long-term that could grow and she could sell through her own website and not just be beholden to the kings at Amazon. So we dig into a lot in this episode about why she decided to go that path and also some of the things she's learned in starting various businesses in her niche. Support for today's episode is provided by Better For Your Mugs. Better For You was started by a couple of friends from our RVE Summit named Jason and Rose, who are an amazing couple of entrepreneurs from Australia. Their Better For Your coffee mugs are double wall stainless steel and seriously the best cup of coffee I've ever had. They brought them over to our summit last year, and when Alyssa and I went to New Zealand afterwards, even though we had very little room for possessions, they're one of the few things that we packed over in our bags and took on our entire camper van trip across New Zealand. And then when we came back and did Canada this past fall, took them with us there as well because we don't want to be without them. They're virtually unbreakable. They come in an eco-friendly box, and they're just amazing quality if you're looking for the perfect mug to take on an adventure or every day at home. Learn more at betterforyour.com. Let's get into today's episode with Jenny. Jenny, thanks for being on the podcast. No problem. Happy to be here. So you're sitting in your house right now in Cabo, like two blocks from the beach. Is that right? That's right. You've been inviting us to come down like for a couple years now and have no idea why we have not taken you up on that <laughs> offer. <laughs> I was I was thinking that you might come down you know, before the baby came, I was thinking that maybe that would happen. But the good news is that when you do actually come, our home underneath our home is where we store all of our equipment for our business. So literally, you're living on top of babies are us. 
Like oh, we have everything. That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. I, do you have like little rash guards in case like our, our baby is like super white like me? We should, right? <laughs> yes. All right. So, so you guys, uh, let's, I want to talk about Baja Baby, the rental company. And then also we're going to talk about your product line, by the way. Thanks for shipping us some of those. I'm excited to try those out with our daughter when she's here, like any day now. By the way, if you're listening to this podcast, our went to the doctor this week and our babies do like any day as a side note. So you started this business in 2011 and it's mm-hmm. such a cool, I love, like niche businesses like this, like you have a baby gear rental company in Cabo for people. So when they come into town, they can, they don't have to like bring their strollers or, or bring, you know, certain things mm-hmm. for the pool and things like that. So I guess let's just start at the beginning of your story. How did you come to realize like this was a need in Cabo? Well, it's amazing um, what you'll come up with when you're determined to figure out a way to stay home and make money <laughs> so you can be with your child. I was working full time and had no intention of staying home to be, you know, with the baby all the time, but absolutely loved it. You know, he came and it was just the funnest thing. And after four months, my maternity leave was, you know, about to come to an end and I didn't want to go back to work. So I had, you know, luckily a bit of savings with Nelson, with my husband and we were planning a trip to Texas. That's where Nelson's family is. And um, I was trying to figure out how on earth we were going to get our son Wyatt up there with all of the, you know, you're going to find out all the stuff, <laughs> you know, like, how, I need all this stuff, you know, for my baby. And I don't, I think I stumbled upon a rental company up there mm. um, in Corpus Christi. And I literally just had, you know, the light bulb moment, like, oh my goodness is anybody doing this down in Cabo? I mean, this is, you know, almost nine years ago, nine years ago. Yeah, almost. And so I started like in a frenzy of Googling as you do when you have that, you know, that idea and I'm texting Nelson, you know, <laughs> I think I've thought of a way to stay at home. And he's like, what, you want to stay at home? <laughs> you know? And, um, you know, within two or three weeks, we for sure realized that nobody else had been, was doing it, which was potentially a bad thing or a good thing. We weren't really sure but at that time, I'd never um, had a business before. So I, I think that you just go into it completely convinced that it's just going to go great. And I remember walking into Sam's Club with Nelson um, about six weeks after we thought of the idea and um, had the business plan all done. And I remember going in and buying thousands of dollars worth of high chairs and strollers and car seats. And and I'm just like, what if this doesn't work? And Nelson's <laughs> like, well, then all of our best friends are about to get the best baby shower present ever <laughs> for like the next five years. <laughs> so, so that was how it started. And Wyatt was four months old when I launched it. Wow. That's, that's awesome. So did you like get on TripAdvisor? I, TripAdvisor, I think was around in 2011. I don't know when it started, but did you get on there and see like any forums or anything like that where people are asking, like, I'm bringing my baby to Cabo. Like, does anybody know if they're rental? Like, did you have any type of, I guess, market validation, I guess that this would work well, at all? I bet I, you know, I bet that Alyssa's currently maybe on some whattoexpect.com totally. you know, forums for her month of arrival. Yeah. And well, actually, I, she's I been on... using the bump app that has been oh, like yeah. her go to thing. Yeah. That wasn't around when I was um, <laughs> pregnant, unfortunately. So um, I went on those communities and asked if you were traveling internationally, would you use a service like this? And actually got really negative feedback. 
you know, most people were, no, I'd never bring my baby outside of the country. That was the big, you know, instant response. And then the next one was, no, I'd never use it because the equipment wouldn't be clean. And basically I just got just tons of like negative comments, not really any positive comments. So then I went to all my local friends and said, I'm going to open this business and got a further batch of, are you sure? Are you sure? I don't, I don't think that's going to work. I I don't know about that. And, and then I got, had a couple of local moms that said, Oh, I was going to do that, Mm. but then never, you know, never did. Yeah. And so what I just decided to do, and again, I think it's because at that point in my life, I wasn't jaded in any way as a business owner. I just took all of that information and used that as my USPs, as my Like I used all that as my copy on my website to say why you should use us, you know, and really focused in and made all of those objections into the reasons why you would want to use the service in the first place. Mm -hmm. And and then, uh, so what happened? What happened was, I mean, the business was set up super quickly. I, I got one of my girlfriends was just starting a photography business at the time. So she came over and photographed all the equipment. I got my best friend from Ireland. Her husband was just starting a web design company. So he did the website and it all just happened so quickly. And then, you know, you turn out, you get, you get the toll free number and you turn <laughs> the website on. And I start like calling around local uh, newspapers and magazines and, you know, I'm just going nuts. And you know that day when you start and it's like cricket, <laughs> you know, you're just like waiting for the, you know, the onslaught. And then pretty much within 72 hours, I got a phone call from a hotel, a local high-end resort saying, do you have five rollaway beds? And I'm like, what are they? What is that? <laughs> you know? I didn't even know what it was. And, and that was basically the start of what would be, I mean, I think the whole business cost about $17,000 to set up. Wow. I remember that was my upper, that was my whole cost. And I think within five months that had been, that was, that was pretty much paid back. So it was pretty much, I don't want to say instant, but it was really consistent. It was just the right business opportunity in the right location at the right time. So did you have a lot of like hotels who kind of first reach out and, and kind of like helped bring in bigger orders and, and referrals kind of thing? Like maybe somebody would check in and be like, hey, I need this. And they're like, well, we don't have this, but we have a local company that we can rent from. Is that where a lot of the business well, originally came from? So it was, I mean, it was me. I strapped Wyatt in a car seat and I literally, and I printed off some postcards from Vistaprint and made some laminated price sheets. And I literally went to every single hotel, bed and breakfast, everywhere that I could possibly go, every local store, everywhere. I went everywhere and just, you know, talked to them about what I was doing. And most people looked at me like I had three heads because it was just completely foreign it was just a totally foreign concept. Prior to opening the business, I should mention, I downloaded a really great ebook from a lady that was doing that business. She had a, a baby equipment rental company in Florida. And it was, you know, just one of those ebooks, how to open a baby gear rental yeah. company. And I, <laughs> it was like my Bible. I just did every single thing that she said to do. Yeah. And that was really helpful. 
you know, so if ever you, anybody's who listening, who's listening to this is thinking of putting out some valuable content like that, do it because there's that person mm. that's going to pick it up and going to, it's going to be like gold, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, that's such a good point. I mean, even if you think there's only going to be like, I mean, that was like the whole notion of this podcast. I was like, how many people are really interested in like running a business from their RV? Um, like maybe 10 <laughs> people, like we have a few friends and it's turned out to be more than that. You know, so, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's amazing. So did she also have like pricing and things like that in there as well? No, she didn't. So what I ended up doing was going on to, oh, pretty much every single baby equipment rental company website in Hawaii, in Florida, in places that I figured were, can, were close to the type of clientele that come to Cabo. Mm -hmm. And I researched, I just did a spreadsheet and I, you know, every, what's this person renting a crib for? What's this person rent, you know, and, and what other items are on there that I don't think will rent so well down here, you know, or, or might rent better down here. Mm -hmm. So it was really just, um, and I kept my prices really and really cheap because I thought to myself, okay, you know, I know how much it costs a booster seat to eat with costs, you know, you can buy one on Amazon for say $40. So I'm not going to rent it for even half of that at the time, you know, cause right. People will make that that buying decision. They'll be like, "No, I'm just I'm just going to pack it." Then, you know what I mean? If this is going to cost more to to rent than it is to buy, then it's not worth it. Exactly. Yeah. You totally. What, what do you feel like you took away from the experience of like talking to a bunch of people? Because I went through a very similar process with campground booking and like talking with like campground owners and, and RVers and things like that because I was very close to it and and got a lot of mixed feedback on like pricing and suggestions, but really. Nobody had done the exact type of company we were working on in the space. So therefore, like everybody was speculating just like me, like it was all information and data. But at the end of the day, mm -hmm. like you kind of just have to have enough conviction to say, like, I think this could work. So I'm going to give it a shot anyway. Yeah. And like, I don't know. What do, totally. what do you feel like you took away from that process? Well, it was like a multiple layer process. First of all, I went to it's real. It, it's also a, Cabo and other places like this, I'm sure they're just strange to, to, to make first contact with. Cause you can't, a lot of them, you can't just walk in, you have to have appointments. So first of all, on my first round of going to everywhere, I called the hotel and we're, you know, would be transferred all over the place and got, got nowhere. And then I would make an appointment with the front desk person. I'd go to the front desk, you know, with my baby in his car seat, looking like just a little <laughs> strange and would just sort of get the wide eyed look like, who are you and why are you here? And it took me um, a while to realize that the people to go to were actually the concierge primarily. And then secondly, the bellboys. Mm. I hadn't even thought about the bellboys, but they're really such a neat connection to have because they talk to the families when they're standing outside waiting for a cab, they talk to them about the service. So we, and then I realized I should offer everybody here a commission you know, if you refer us, I'll give you a commission, which really helped. And then on top of that, I was like, you know, I can help all of these families, you know, all of these bellboys and concierge staff, they all have families, they all have people coming to town. So we give them still to this day, we give them free rentals. Um, sometimes if we're really busy, they have to pay the delivery fee, which is 25 bucks. But if we can give somebody local something free, we'll do it. And then in addition to that, we also every year we donate a bunch of our equipment that's it's not it's kind of just at the end of its of its life it's got a few too many scratches scratches on it it doesn't mean it, it's not in great working condition so we just give all that away hmm. to the staff locally 
Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Very cool. And I mean, I like just thinking about it again, our daughter's not born yet, but we're, we already have two of our first trips planned, one to San Diego and one to Italy. And, uh, like if I have the option, I'm already thinking through like, how am I going to like pack for these types of things? Like, I don't even know all the stuff that I'm going to need to bring. So if there were places local that I know I could hit up, like it just seems like such a clear need. Have you talked to any of the people who you originally spoke with that were like, that's a terrible idea now that like you've been doing it for nine years? Yeah. I mean, I think everybody's really, really happy for me that it worked out. Yeah. <laughs> Ultimately. Totally. So, okay. So you, so you start Baja baby, the gear rental company in a 2011. And then at a certain point you decide that you want to start another business. And I guess backtracking a little bit too, is like, did it accomplish the need that you set out for? Like spending time at home, you have two kids now, like, uh, and three chihuahuas, uh, <laughs> Two. Two, two, oh, I'm sorry. One. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah. So did, I guess it accomplished that, that need for you, right? Like you were able to spend time at home. Big time. And I brought my child everywhere with me because it really worked for my business model. It wasn't so strange to have my baby with my, with, you know, all over my car, I had plastered Baja baby gear, the name of the company. So it was very not strange to bring my baby to work everywhere. So it totally, it was awesome. The plan was, if I can just make enough money to pay for half of our bills, then this is a great business for me. And then things just started to change a bit when I had a second child. Then that was kind of when I started to get help. Plus, it was getting busy. I mean, it was getting at the time at the start, I was doing all my own promotion, all my own marketing, managing all the customer service, sterilizing all the equipment. Have you ever tried to sterilize 300 pieces of Lego? I, like, I've <laughs> actually never sterilized anything in my life, I don't think. <laughs> Yeah, we would. And when when my in-laws would come to visit us or my parents would come all the way from Ireland, I would they would all be helping. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) So, yeah. And once once I got pregnant with another child, I started to get, you know, help other people helping me to do the deliveries and do things. Totally. And in one of your like other interviews that I was reading before before we jumped on here, uh, you talked about how like traditionally you grew up thinking like. $50,000 a year as like a salary or something like that was a lot of money and pushing on that, like, I guess, rewriting the side of your brain, the entrepreneur side of your brain to like grow a business and like grow a little bit bigger than that, because then you can process things out and like have a team and, you know, it doesn't eat up all your time. You can spend more time at home or more time traveling or whatever, like just getting past that barrier was a challenge. Like, what is, what do you mean by that? Like, what, what does that actually mean? I think that I, uh, Irish people have a really hard work ethic. We're, we're just, it's just in our blood to work really hard. And I think that it's, it's almost like, um, you feel like you're doing a wrong thing by getting help. You know, you should be doing it kind of all yourself, but in order to grow and to get, I think that especially when you have kids, what money is really, really important to obviously to bring in an income and provide for them. But then there seems to be some sort of transition, or at least there was in my life where I wanted more time. And so in order to do that, then you have to grow the business so that you can afford to pay other people to help you, you know, and it's just, it's growing pains and it's being okay with, it's kind of hard to, to switch from the person that can do it all and should be doing, should be doing everything to being the boss. Mm-hmm. You know, you, there's a transition that happens. The four hour work week helped. You know, I read Tim Ferriss's book and that really helped to understand how to delegate and how to uh, train people, you know, well enough that they could 
do the job and finding people that are as passionate about what you're doing as you are when they're not an owner yeah. of the business. I feel like a lot, of, a lot of my friends who are like, there's kind of like that interesting cusp between like, there's not really ever, at least in my perspective and my experience uh, today, there is like, there's not usually enough like money left over to always hire somebody. So there's always like this interesting step where it's like there, the money doesn't seem to be there, but at the same time, neither does your time. So it's either like you're going to work like insane hours to like make up for that extra person that you need, or you're going mm-hmm. to like maybe take a pay cut or just find the money somewhere to pay the person that you know you need, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think along my journey, I decided, you know, I did want more time and I wanted more income. Um, so that was where the second business, you know, came about was, uh, you know, I think that we do that too as entrepreneurs. You get not bored, but you're like, okay, I'm ready for my next challenge. You know, <laughs> what's it going to be? Yeah. So at what point did, yeah. So at what point did you start deciding to go from just the baby gear rental company to starting a line of all natural baby products like shampoos <laughs> and things like that? Um, it was in 2014. The business was, my daughter was my second child who was a little girl, was almost a year old. Um, she had like tons of skin issues, like allergies. Uh, she was not a very happy child. You know, she had reflux and all sorts of um, issues that went along with her first year. So that was somewhat of an inspiration. Um, at the time, my best friend and I really wanted to do a project together. We wanted to to create something new together. And then, of course, at that time was the explosion of lots of people realizing that they could do um, private label businesses um, online. And so, of course, we got to, you know, got wind of that. There was a local lady who was doing that and taking on, you know, people to train underneath her to teach, you know, how to do it. And as we were talking before we started uh, recording the podcast, um, we, we so we just decided between the two of us, we decided wouldn't this be really neat if we could roll out some kind of a, you know, physical product line, weren't really sure what it was going to be. And then of course, as, as the research went on, it just made sense to fall under the same niche as what I was already doing, baby products. Nice. And so, uh, we were chatting a little bit before this, uh, episode and you basically said that at the early stage, you kind of had, you guys had a decision to make that you could build, like focus on building a brand or you could focus on creating a cash flow business. Um, mm-hmm. what, what did you mean by that? Well, so when we started, you know, everybody was kind of, you know, testing their business plan on Amazon. I mean, that was what you did. You went off, you find the product that you wanted to create and off you went to the races. And at that time, between 2014 and 15, there was just a, we were uh, following uh, Ryan Daniel Moran, heavily. We were a member of his mastermind and he was really encouraging everybody to take a long look at what they were doing. He saw the big picture. He saw that there were just thousands of people, you know, back then we were attending conventions in Vegas and there were thousands of people in the room. And he saw very clearly that this, this whole, you know, wave of people doing the same type of thing, eventually it's going to thin out. And the people that have just businesses that are solely dependent on Amazon sales you know, they're going to eventually sink or they're going to swim. You know, there's there's going to be growth or death. So which which way do you want to go? Do you want to stick with a cash flow trajectory business or do you want to build a brand, which means 
taking your products off of Amazon or, or keeping them on there, but building multiple distribution streams uh, and build it, focusing on the brand name mm. instead of just, I have an Amazon business and I have, you know, private labels. So we, 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 t- we took that really seriously and, and um, moved away from private label and I mean, made a really serious decision because at the time we had products that were really good products. They were selling really well. Um, we kept it really simple. We just had shampoos conditioners, lotions, but they weren't our own formulations and they were just good. Mm. They weren't amazing, you know? Yeah. And so were they under like any kind of brand at all? Like, did you just like throw a a name up there on the shampoos kind of thing? Yeah. We, we called them Baja baby gear. We used the same logo as my rental company because I already had all of the assets created. I went path of least resistance and I already had a Facebook page. I already had an email list. I already had, you know, the client base. So I thought, this is a good idea. So it's like you can either rent your baby gear in Mexico or <laughs> buy some of our natural products. Like, throw Oh, totally. <laughs> and, well, and I was like, I can. And we did at the start. We would, um, you know, bring samples for our client, for my clients. And we would leave the product, physical products, you know, with their crib rental just for them to try. And, you know, we just tr- you did it that way. And then things got, we just decided to get really serious about the business in 2015, 16, you know, decided to, we actually got, got, find an amazing business mentor, um, called his name is Todd Herman. And so everything we, we attribute a lot of what happened from then onwards to him and his teachings. And we moved away. We changed the name of the, of, of the brand and, uh, we developed our own formulations which were absolutely 100% clean and green, which our previous ones were mostly, or, or uh, you know, that's what you're going to find whenever you now have a baby. A lot of brands say that they're organic. A lot of brands say that they're all natural, but they're really not. Whereas ours is from the ground up, 100% natural and really well performing, which is hard to do. And did you guys have to find somebody who can help you make this? Like, did you have that yeah. experience yourself to know how to like make an all natural shampoo? Well, interestingly, 20 years ago in Ireland, my background is I'm an esthetician. That's what I did before, um, you know, moving to Mexico, but I was a massage therapist and esthetician and a good portion of our studies was on ingredients. Oh, interesting. Skincare ingredients. So I loved that portion. We find an awesome manufacturer in Canada and we work, we've worked with them now for years, but they, you get into it, you know, you can't help yourself. You, if you're into that, if you're really into product development. So yeah, I was heavily involved and interested in what we were putting in the product. So yeah, it was a great, a great time, really creative time. That's interesting. How did the, like the starting of that business differ from Baja baby gear? So like with Baja baby gear, you like went out physically met people like with the, um, with this new line, like when you guys relaunched with the new, um, shampoos that you created, like what did, you know, sales and things like that look like on Amazon? Were they instant? Like, how did you start getting the word out there? Was it just purely based off of, um, like Amazon algorithms and trying to get reviews Mm -hmm. and like, what did that look like? No, we, we stopped that whole carry on really quickly at the start because it just didn't feel, it didn't feel like it was in alignment with our brand. We wanted people at the start, you know, you did, you employed all those same tactics that we, of course we did all the training and, at the time, that was the launch strategy, which was focused on reviews. But 
It's not that it felt disingenuous, but we just wanted people to buy the products because they were genuinely fantastic products. So we made a really strategic decision to stop hammering on Amazon and to focus while we were develop, redeveloping the brand. We built a website and really focused all of our efforts on that. And we contacted a company called EWG, Environmental Working Group. They're basically like the Better Business Bureau for consumer products. Mm-hmm. Um, and we went through like an arduous verification process with them. So you basically take your products to them and you you pay them to um, go through every single ingredient that you have. And then they rank your ingredients on a sliding scale from one being this is, you know, liquid gold, clean, green stuff. Ten being if you put this on your baby, it might keel over, you know, it's yeah. just, just don't use it. And that was kind of our goal was to... Um, get ones on every ingredient, which is really hard to do because it's a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And we did it, which was great. So that's amazing. Interestingly, Congratulations. Yeah, we lo- we launched the the new website and the new products in like July. In the July, we of course went out and hired you know companies, Google ads experts, Facebook ads experts, and paid them all large sums of money to as retainers and brought tons of traffic to the website and we got tons of traffic to the website and we got crickets in return, Mm. like nothing, no conversions. It was, it was crazy. (laughs) We were panicking. We were really panicking. And then in November ish, we got our EWG verification and everything changed. Mm. Everything, everything, it was like a light switch went on because they have a really cool app and a website called Skin Deep. So you basically get ranked in there. It's like a catalog for baby uh, skincare products. And once we went on there, just sales, sales just started happening. And these are for people who are trying to find like natural, in pro- like products with natural ingredients and who yeah. are trying to go, like go to a trusted source. Cause that's something that like yeah. I've even noticed in my, inter- my very short period of time that I've been researching like baby beds, for example, like we've been trying to find like a good bassinet and I'm like, I go and like finally think I found like a good review and they're like, this will kill your baby. And I'm like, I think this is going to be my life for the next like 18 years. It's like, I find a product that looks good for my kid and half the people say it's fantastic. And the other half say it's, you're a terrible parent. If you buy this product, it's really challenging. It's terrible. Yeah. And yeah, there's, it's terrible. And even cause at the end of the day too, <laughs> what you're putting out in the world Everybody has their own opinion about it. Some people are going to love what you do and some people just aren't. And there's nothing you can do about that. And and so I really don't mind when somebody puts a bad review about one of our products up because they're completely entitled to their opinion. Mm. (laughs) Even on our website, we can, I think we can actually control it. We can like remove a negative review, but we don't because you genuinely want people to see the transparency of the product, that it's not. Don't you find that too? Like when you see something that's got, you know, 1500 five-star reviews, it's like, come on, really? Well, I think, (laughs) yeah, I think a lot of times, um, you, you've thought through the potential things that they are going to say anyway. You know what I mean? Like a lot of times that one, it can either be like constructive, helpful things or the other side of it. You're like, Oh, I could probably see that. Sometimes if it's like, it's totally irrational and you're like, okay, I don't really care about that. So I think you build resistance to it over time. Um, at least I know I have, I'm just like, yeah, I don't really care because if you're working hard and you know, your stuff, if you're coming at it from like an inauthentic perspective, I think you probably get more wound up because people see through that. 
kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But it's like you guys went through the process, like you went through the work to create a product. And if there is something wrong with it, you address it and you fix it. Um, I feel like that's something I've I've learned the past couple of years in software is it's like there will always be bugs. And, you know, like sometimes things feel like they're spiraling out of control. Uh, But a lot of times, like if you just jump on it, you communicate efficiently, you treat people well, like a lot of times it works out because people, people don't want your products to be bad. Like they want them, like they're, they want them to do what you, you want them to do. You know what I mean? (laughs) So like no one, most of the time people aren't like rooting against you. Like they want your products to be awesome. So. Yeah. And I mean. I think with all of it, with, uh, with the life of an entrepreneur, the goalposts always shift. I mean, whether you like it or not, things change. Like with the Baby Gear rental company, we get sometimes we'll have items that rent really well, and then all of a sudden there'll there'll be a recall, so you can't have that item anymore. Or you can, you can choose to, but you know you're not doing the best thing to your for your clients if you don't disclose that and take it away. Totally. And the same with um, the skincare products. It's really tough because with EWG, when you sign on to be an EWG verified uh, company, you have to adhere to guidelines changing. So if something, if some form of legislation changes, you have to disclose and you have to be transparent. So most recently, we have uh, some we have some different scents, uh, scent variations in our product line, and our <laughs> there's a new European Union legislation that says that if the way that you extract an essential oil sometimes can sometimes not always might have 0.0002% of a potential allergen in it then you have to disclose that so mm. that means that you have to go and print out stickers for thousands of bottles and like you have to do these things so you have to if you really want to be the real deal and you really want to be authentic you have to disclose yeah. And you have to say, I'm okay with these goal, goalposts changing all the time. Kind of have to embrace the change. And that's essentially what you're saying has been the biggest difference between building a brand, um, not just on Amazon, but everywhere versus like throwing up a lot of shampoos and products on Amazon yeah. to build a cash flow business over a couple of years. But essentially there's no walls for somebody else to do the exact same thing and just maybe get yeah. a little bit more reviews than you. So in other words, like, you, you've had to spend a lot more money and time on creating something of quality, but the hope mm-hmm. is that long-term you can outlast like people who have these spikes. Yeah, totally. And I mean, believe me, we get review jealousy, you know, we'll see new brands come on and get, you know, hundreds of reviews and, you know, it's, it's, it's a kicker because we knew that we made that decision to move, move towards just something real that we could trust. And at the end of the day, you have a responsibility to yourselves to make sure that what you're doing isn't fluff like mm-hmm. that because in our mind we're not building a brand other than because we want to put out something quality as in we want it to last for years and years and years that was even down to the labeling of the product i mean the design of the label we did that and we did that so that it would not be something gimmicky we wanted something that would stand the test of time you know mm-hmm. it's beautiful i love all of your product design and everything it looks great yeah, it's not definitely not geared towards kids. It looks a little bit more, you know, of a mature design, but that was all, you know, very, very uh, thoughtfully done. Whereas at the at the start, it was like we did two runs. It was like we did the two. We the first time we rolled out the products, it was just stick a label on it and go, and it's a good product. And then the second time, it was like, okay, let's walk through every single minutia part of the business. You know, totally. You seem to have like a really good skill that I've. I feel like I've seen come up a lot and just our conversation already, which is like, 
when you're starting something new, like not being afraid to ask for help. Like when you started mm-hmm. the baby gear rental company, like finding somebody who had written an ebook. And when you started, you know, the baby product line, being able to find people who you could hire to help you with ads and Google and things mm-hmm. like that. Um, I feel like that's not something a ton of people are good at. Like, can you talk, like, where have you always, has that always been a thing? You're like, like, I just need help with this. I'm, I'm okay with going to ask people. Like, well, I'm a think I'm a, I think that, uh, I'm a very curious person by nature. So if I can find a way, if I can find the, you know, information, then I'm, I'm totally okay with, and I'm totally okay with somebody else that knows way more than me coming in to do an aspect of the business. I have over the last few years, probably gotten a bit too bogged down in, you know, some of the runnings of the business, like the digital marketing side of it. I've decided to really embrace that. Last year, I made it my business to get really, really familiar with email marketing. That was our whole strategy was client retention. That was our theme of the year. You know, let's focus on speaking to our clients and being just really authentic and genuine and value driven and for them. So I learned every single thing that I could possibly learn about email marketing. So that's all my, you know, I do all of the stuff that comes out of the business is stuff that I have written myself. And I know that eventually maybe it won't, that won't be possible. Just like with Baja Baby Gear, it wasn't possible for me to be a mother and do all the deliveries and do everything. It's just not at some point you have to let go, you know? Yeah, totally. And now that I think about it, like finding people that you can ask for coaching, like we, we talked like two years ago, you guys have been transitioning or like planning to hit the road for like four years or something like that. And I think we talked like maybe even more than two years ago when you guys were like still thinking about it. I don't even remember like what exactly was going on during that time. You were just like, we're, we're trying to do this. And (laughs) (laughs) yeah, that's, it's certainly like, that was, that was in like two, it was 2014. We had like a really bad hurricane here mm. and we, our home was, it just got a total beating. And when we came back, we were like, oh man, like nothing is important here anymore. You know, if we were to have died or if we were to, you know, I, I genuinely thought we were going to, even though like Nelson knew better, he knew that it would be okay. But I was making bargains with myself. Like if we come out of this and survive, you know, yeah. I'm going to travel. I'm going to do all those things that I want to do now. So yeah, it's been, it's been like a bit of a, it's been such a great ride. We were, we, we hit the road. We live, we've been living stationary in our motorhome for 18 months. But six months of those 18, we did end up doing some travels. But that's in and of itself, I think I mentioned earlier, it's, uh, it puts a bit of extra friction and stress on your businesses because we were moving at like a really fast clip. We were tra- moving every three to five days to a different location. And nobody told me that the Wi-Fi in the States is terrible. <laughs> nobody told. Did you not listen to my <laughs> podcast ever? That's all I talked about for like the first 50 episodes. <laughs> Do you think well, I was like, kidding? I just had this whole notion that the I'm thinking like comparatively, I'm in Mexico, yeah. Wi-Fi is pretty terrible here. So I'm like, surely the Wi-Fi has to be better in the States. No. Well, I guess, um, yeah, definitely not a campground. So it's like, you got to bring your, it's BYOW, bring your own Wi-Fi pretty much everywhere, you know, have your AT&T or Verizon jetpack, backup T-Mobile maybe. That's what was hilarious. I'd be sitting in laundromats using their Wi-Fi, sending like a really important email yeah. campaign off to my, you know what I mean? Like and just laughing that here we are with a really amazing luxury skincare line and I'm sitting here in my tracksuit bottoms at nine o'clock at night folding laundry and sending emails. 
That's awesome. Yeah. So other than internet, like what have been some of the, the challenges for you personally, like with managing family time and travel? And now it sounds like the baby gear rental company is pretty processed out. Like you have a team who are running, doing deliveries and things like that. That's awesome with, with getting Baja baby, you know, the product line off the ground and also traveling, like other than internet, like what have been, what were some of the, the challenges this past year? just that consistent attention because just like you were saying earlier when you're in a different location you wake up in the morning and yeah you do your work but you know like out there is this gorgeous new view and a new hill that you want to go walk up and a new like it's just yeah it's like shiny new object syndrome on steroids you know because we went all we drove all the way from Cabo San Lucas all the way up to um Alberta and then, you know, all the way up the middle and then came all the way down the the West Coast and then all the way over to Texas and back in six months. Yeah, that's so it pretty was just, fast. It was ridiculous. And there was no, I mean, it was silly to think that you could, that I could, I, I, in my mind, I was like, well, when we're driving, I'm going to work. Yeah. That was, and that does not, ha- that did not, ha- does that, did that happen for you? Oh God, Can no, you- we never did that. Uh, well, actually. <laughs> I say that Alyssa did, she would, once I bought her like a new Mac pro, she would occasionally do editing and stuff while we were driving. But most of the time, no, because she was like helping navigate or whatever. And maybe it was the roads are bumpy and whatever. Yeah. I didn't realize that, um, when you're towing a car, which we were, we were towing my little Honda. I didn't realize that I would have to start stocking gas stations with, you know, this, I'm like zooming into the gas <laughs> stations to see if I can tell if there's going to be a dip. I oh mean, yeah. I, we owe the United States of America money <laughs> for all of the roads that we have slashed and bashed. <laughs> and dented. Oh wow. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we did. Yeah. I'm sure that uh, other people that are listening to this can maybe sympathize as well on the amount of time. I didn't know. We didn't really realize until we left that, you, we weren't, we don't use a tow dolly. Mm-hmm. We flat tow. Yeah. You can't reverse no. and turn around. You jackknife. Yeah. So like we were stuck in cul-de-sacs. We've been stuck like in main roads. We've blocked, you know, we've created, you know, <laughs> traffic jams with Nelson and me outside. And you know, when you're turning and the, you know, the tow bar gets like stuck in an angle, you can't get that thing unlocked. Yeah. I mean, you're like just wrestling with it. And totally. Breaking out the hammer to try to get Yeah. I, I think I probably 70% of the time I use the hammer to get my tow car out. <laughs> and um, I always felt like I was doing something wrong, but. I know we did too. We did too. It's, that's the stuff that I really was convinced that when we left here, because I have a bit, we have a busy life here, that I would have all this extra time to devote to my businesses, my like to the growing of Baja Baby. And in truth, it didn't, it was just really grab an R or two or three whenever I can. And it was so that there was always like this low grade anxiety mm. of needing to do things, but never being able to, you know, yeah. never being able to, because you either had a, I, I just, all of those R's of, in the six months that we traveled, all those R's that we were driving went to just navigating and dealing with the kids or, you know. We did, we did listen to an audiobook once. I will say that. <laughs> <laughs> what do you, I mean, so you, that was like kind of, that was your dream though. Like whenever you thought the hurricane was destroying your house. So it's like, you, did you guys have a lot of good family time and, and adventures? 
Oh yeah, we. I mean, yeah, we really did. I mean, when you I've, have you ever been through a hurricane? Uh, well, I mean, I grew up on the the coast of uh, like Houston, so yeah, but you, we usually evacuated. Yeah, well, I had never been through one, and I was absolutely convinced that we were going, to, which is just ridiculous, but it's amazing that your mind plays tricks on you when you have two small children. And I was convinced we were going to get sucked out of the window, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and um, I don't know, something really changed inside of me that night. And when I came, we couldn't live in our home for, it was like three months afterwards it took to, you know, put everything back to normal place. And I just felt really unsettled and I never got that feeling of being settled back again. And I, was absolutely determined to travel with the kids while they were young and not wait until they were gone, mm. you know, and was willing to do whatever it took. And I will, I mean, I'll be the first to admit that I'm playing catch up now. We got back um, in January and um, I would have kept going, by the way. I mean, I, I loved it. I just, the only reason why we came back was because I have a, I'm not American. I'm from Northern Ireland and I have a six month visa. That's the max I can do in the United States and Canada. Yeah. So we had to come back. Gotcha. What do you What do you feel like you you took away from the the time on the road? Like now that you've kind of understood, because we're like trying to plan now that we've been stationary for six months and we're going to be here <laughs> for a little while, but we're already like kind of planning what life looks like after being in Texas for a bit, um, mm -hmm. and also balancing that with work and and like we have five years or whatever of that kind of experience of moving around. And how would you? when you guys go back out on the road, if you are going back on the road, oh, yeah, like what is, what does that look like? Like, what have you learned as far as like figuring out how to like better structure your days and create, whether that's creating processes or, or things like mm -hmm. that, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, there's not really, we, we got really used to waking up whenever we felt like it. Not, we weren't super late liar inners, but we just were very lazy with our mornings and, um, we seemed to, I think it was just our rate of pace, we seemed to do a national park week one week and then we'd be in a city the next week. And But it was just so fascinating to see our children exposed. Because you have to understand, Cabo San Lucas is a beautiful place to, to live. It's a lovely place to raise children. But there's really nothing other than the beaches. There's no cultural exposure to museums. Um, there's no... There's nothing, I mean, really, there's nothing to, other than your children are going to be badass surfers. They're going to be, you know, that's what they're going to be if they're here. I mean, you no choice but to get them into water sports or yeah. golf or something outdoors. But when you go to the States and those, you watch those, their eyes as we're driving through Utah and we're, you know, we're playing in slot canyons. And I mean, you, like that, those memories of watching them see these things, even bringing them to their, they'd never been 10 pin bowling. They'd never been to see a baseball game. I mean, just some, they even just walking into like a really big, massive American shopping mall. They're just like, <gasps> <laughs> you know? it was just great. I mean, it was just it, that part of it, seeing them and experience their firsts was just a, completely immeasurable. Mm, I love that. That's awesome. So, yeah. so the, uh, the, the question that I, that I was asking was around like your, as far as like you structuring, um, like your, <laughs> no, no, your, like figure, like, what would you, what, what would you do differently? Like when you guys go back on the road? Oh man, I don't, I think that we, you know, it's as we were driving home from Texas yeah. to Chicago, we were talking about this. We were doing like the unpacking of the, totally. what would we do differently? And we really <laughs> moving so fast was 
probably pretty silly, but we really just wanted, we feel like urgency. We feel like, mm. I don't know how, we just feel like we need to get the show on the road and see as much. Let me rephrase that. I feel the urgency. I feel urgency for like everything in life. Yeah. I think I'm just impatient. Yeah. <laughs> me too. I mean, I'm already trying to figure out how we can do the rest of the whole of the United States in six months, which is just ridiculous. So I think it's if you really, really want to see a place and feel a place and work, have a system where you're working mm -hmm. because, you know, travel days, forget it. You're just you're not you're not in that frame of mind to work, or at least I wasn't. I really appreciated meeting. I met um, Brianna and Craig mm -hmm. of Crazy Family Adventure. They were in the Baja. So we met them. And Brianna, I really respect her so much because she said something really important to me in the beach. She said, basically, she works 20 hours a week. She has that like rule, like constraint. And it's such it's so valid because you stick to that. And you're also able to deflect and block and make time for that. And I, I went into my trip with with no such rule. And I should have, I should have, because I'm that sort of person. If I make a promise, I will, I will mm -hmm. follow it through. Yeah. So I think going back out again, I will say to myself, there will be X number of hours that I put in, at, you know, on a weekly basis. And I've just that one simple statement, promise to myself, I will follow mm -hmm. through. Yeah. Whereas I, it was like the Wild West for six months. <laughs> yeah, Brianna has been like my um, personal coach that I actually haven't hired, but I maybe I should. <laughs> uh, she probably doesn't have the time in her 20-hour allotment. But like she spoke at our conference this year and um, and we were just talking like beforehand about what she was going to talk about. And she basically said that same exact thing and like echoed that sentiment multiple occasions, which was just like she was like, if I want to build a really big company – and I know I'm going to put crazy, crazy hours into it, then living on the road in an RV is kind of stupid it's, for me. It's not it conducive. Doesn't, it, it's not conducive. She's like, but if I want to um, make uh, a decent living, provide for my family, have amazing life experiences and raise my kids mm -hmm. in this way um, and work mm -hmm. 20 hours a week, then it's perfect. And it works mm -hmm. really well. And she's like, it's kind of like mapping your ambitions to figure out what you want. And I feel like yeah. for me, that was a really good advice because I'm in a season where I felt like I was dropping the ball a lot on, on my software business and being mm -hmm. stationary for six months. Like I feel like I'm on top of things, but there's mm -hmm. the other side of me that feels like I'm missing out on a lot of the things that we were doing before. So I think it's addressing both of those things and also learning. And like for me, one of the, I feel like a lot of my anxiety on the road stemmed from meetings. Like once mm -hmm. we like, and also not having onboarding and support help. So like if I was out on a hike and a customer uh, campground needed help on something, like yeah. I felt anxiety because I was out doing something and I couldn't address I it. And I felt like I was not fulfilling what I needed to in my business. So it's like this year has really spent focusing on creating those processes to like actually be able to do the type of have the business that can support us on the road. Um, because I feel like that's a, such an important part of this is like having all the things in place to support this kind of business. Otherwise you're going to be anxious, right? Yeah. And I, I think that when you get into businesses and you have these really lofty goals, because that's just how we've all been programmed. And there's abs, I am, I love goals. I love them. And I love especially scary ones too, even though they do scare me a lot, but <laughs> I do recognize that, I think that this is the whole like psychology behind it too. Like in order to receive X amount of work or X amount of money, there is a, an exchange of work that has to be done and it has to be in alignment. And I do think that in order to have um, an RV lifestyle where you want to travel, I do think 
really now after I've been living it and being in it, I do think that you have to not slow down your goals, but I think you just have to be realistic and say, really, what really do I want? Do I really want to? Because I tell you, there's nothing worse than Nelson, Wyatt and Reese leaving the RV in the morning to go, you know, to Sequoia National Park. And I couldn't go. I had to work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's just, that's the worst friction in the world because you <laughs> want to be with them. And you're yeah, like, oh, totally. you know, I feel like a bad parent because I'm choosing work, you know? So it would be really helpful to have a a day, even if it's like a, you know, a themed day, if it was a Monday and Monday is going to be my work day. And that's what I do that day and don't plan anything too exciting on that day. So I don't, I don't have FOMO, you know? Yeah. I feel like that's, that's been this whole podcast is what you just like kind of summed up there. And it's like this whole dilemma, like uh, between this whole leisure lifestyle and working hard. And that the fact that like, we all have both sides inside of us that we want to have the the leisure free time to spend time in beautiful places with people we love, but we also are mm-hmm. driven to like contribute. And it's like mm-hmm. kind of figuring out how do those two things like mesh together for like a meaningful life. Um, even though they seem both like counterintuitive, almost like they don't have to be mm-hmm. like, they can actually work together. It's just figuring out how they fit into place. Yeah. I had no idea it was going to take us four years to get on the road. I mean, I had no clue. I thought I could just flick a switch. But I think that everybody needs to realize that for things to be authentic, for businesses to be authentic, they have to marinate in the place that they are. We were talking about this earlier and everybody should read the, the, you know, building a brand by um, Brian Smith, best, you know, brand based business book, apart from the guy, what was the guy, Zappos guy, that was another Tony Shea delivering happiness. Yeah. Yeah. That's such a great book. Brian Smith's book was my favorite because it just talks about the fact that you can't rush your stages in business. You can't, you want to, you want to, you want to be in that scale up part. But the truth is like, even to this day, sometimes it still feels like we're in startup mode because you're really solidifying the foundations of your brand. You're really making sure that the the messaging that you're putting out is as it should be. That is that message, the same message I'm going to say in five years from now. Because I think that when it all boils down to it, we're all looking at different brands. If that messaging is really simple and clear, and it's been that way for years, there's an integrity that comes along with that. Mm-hmm. And then the business is more solid and it's more stable. So I think that while I definitely I agree with do the goals and have your end game in sight, but I think too, it's okay to have the stable, slow role that, you know, instead of, I remember, I mean, years ago, we're like, let's get this thing up in three years and, you know, up, you know, let's, and it, it, it's, it's done nothing but grow since we started it, which is great, but it's just slower. And that's because I've made the choice to live in an RV and travel and do all those other things at the same time. And I think that now I just turned 40 in September. And I think this year I'm finally saying, okay, you know, I'm okay. I'm okay with the, the rate of play. I'm okay with the, with the speed at which I'm choosing to go at. I love that. Uh, well, Jenny, where is a good place for people to uh, connect with you and Baja Baby online? So our website is BajaBabyShop.com. Um, I do have, I do have a blog. I mean, I, but I never write in it. Of course, <laughs> Bri- Brianna knew that one was going to happen to She's like, are you really sure you want to do that and everything else? It's sunny and blue. That's our handle for our, for our travels. Awesome. And um, my website for the rentals is BajaBabyGear.com. 
Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Uh, this this uh, conversation's been a blast. Yeah. Thank you for having me. And good luck, Mr. Babe. <laughs> Can't wait to, to see her. Thank you. Yeah, we'll have to bring her down. Hey, guys. Thank you so much for tuning into that episode with Ginny. If you want to see the show notes for this episode, go to heathandalyssa.com and click on podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening to The RV Entrepreneur, and I'll see you all next time on the show.